एंजल The feet pounded away, left to right mostly at this time of day, going to work in clean, bright, bustling offices. Later in the evening, the crowds would be going right to left, going home, to husbands and wives and children and parents, and freshly cooked food steaming invitingly at the dinner table. They would greet each other, say hello. exchange a hug or a kiss certainly a look all things i had no access to not an office or a home not family or friends or colleagues not food or cleanliness or warmth or love <laughs> perhaps that last was a country too far let's dial it down a notch shall we not even eye contact yeah that sounds more in my neck of the woods love ha <laughs> love i adjusted my back against the wall where i sat but there was no way any more to make this loosely assembled bag of bones comfortable it ached everywhere just sitting there with my hand occasionally stretching out to shake the tin can in front of me was an almost herculean effort not that the shaking was even worth the expense of the energy the can still held only the pebbles i had put in myself not even one pair of those smartly shod feet that had tiktoked past me had been attached to a kind or generous hand dropping in a few errant coins but that was par for the course i was used to it perhaps later in the day never more truly did it come to me that beggars can't be choosers yes i know i don't look it any more but once i too had a loving mother and teachers who had painstakingly taught me things like that but that was a long 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 time ago no use dwelling on that now I tried to distract myself from the burning hole within me by focusing acutely on my surroundings. Tap 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 the high heels went. Deep cabinet patent leather. A good choice for a work day. Smart without being too smart. Crunch 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 marched the tan oxfords. A swish dresser because the pants or a deep blue i did not raise my eyes to look higher the puddling jeans and the shambling overpriced sneakers told their story this was an affluent neighborhood a commercial street why else would i be here the sounds i waited for i ached for yearned for almost lusted for the whoosh of a note or the tinkle of a coin into my tin can I never heard those. The pitch and tumult in my stomach had become quiet. I'd not given it a morsel to work on for days. This morning, I'd forced down some grimy, rancid-smelling water, and had almost gagged on it. My stomach had rumbled and tumbled in preparatory readiness. <laughs> 
as it geared up for what was coming its way, till it realized it wasn't something, just nothing. Still a steady flow of humanity on the street, but not the urgent morning surge anymore. This would continue for another few hours before the pace picked up again for the end of working day crowds. I watched the shadows shorten and then lengthen in the opposite direction. The hours must have passed. The cabinet patent leather pumps looked as sharp as they had that morning. Eager footfalls carried away people to their homes, their loves, their lives. How long had I been sitting there? Darkness deepened and the street lights spluttered on and there was no sound on the deserted street. The tin can still held only the pebbles. I tried to raise my hand or move my head, but my body seemed locked in a terrible torpor. A deathly quiet had settled on the street. It would stay that way till morning. Only the occasional late worker or the even less occasional street cleaner or a stray dog or cat or a scrabbling rat would break the echoing silence till daybreak and the reignition of life. My body had become silent. Perhaps the deathly quiet of the street had cast its mesmeric shadow over me too. No breath sounds or audible heartbeat. No phlegm rattling through the fleshless passages. No gurgle in the belly. No thoughts sliding soundlessly through my mind. A persistent tap, tap, tap floated over the silence and fought its way into my consciousness. My own hand, trembling mercilessly and unstoppably against the cold pavement. No effort of will or body could give it pause. It fluttered helplessly like the wings of a moth beating against a glass window pane. Loud guttural groans rent the air. Where were they coming from? It sounded like a person in mortal agony. I peered up and down the street for a beat or two before I realized they were streaming out of me. I hauled my moribund body out of that hole I'd made for myself in the pavement. I was too scared to sit there anymore. Without knowing how or why, I realized I was leaking down the street, leaving an oily wake behind me. My legs had taken control. I'd learned that when they did that, it was best to leave them to have their way. They dragged me through the lights and sounds of a living, humming city down to the murky, silent waterside and deposited me on a bench overlooking the swift and relentless Black River. So, what do you think my legs were telling me? They'd brought me to the tumbling river with its banks reeking of black slime and its midsection frothing and burbling busily along like some primeval ooze. But they'd also settled me on this decrepit bench, poking its formidable self into my bony back and its stone-cold seat chilling my feeble legs through my thread-bare pants. I sat resting my weary bones on that bench, my eyes on the merciless river and my mind empty. I don't know how long I sat there or what I looked at or what I thought of. 
Perhaps nothing. I hadn't the strength to think. I hadn't eaten in days. And there's only so many times I could fool my gullible stomach into thinking water was food. It wouldn't accept water anymore. It just gagged at the very thought of it. The river flowed on and time ticked on and perhaps they would mercifully take me with them. But it was as though my mind and body had just hit a pause button. So I don't know when he came and sat by me. I never saw him, nor heard him. I felt him snuggling against my trouser leg in the dark. I felt him press his warm body against my cold, cold leg and hold it there. He lay down on my feet and wrapped his body tight around my legs. He nudged me with his head and prodded me with his paws. I did nothing, no response. So he began to lick me. First a single lick and a pause and then another and then a few more and then an onslaught of limitless licks until even I lifted myself out of my slum to see who it was who was so persistent. Not much in the looks department, I must declare. Black and dirty white, matted hair, ragged ears, muddy paws. But no less a fisher of lost souls, certainly my lost soul. I got up from that cold bench beside that black river and dragged myself back from the brink into the land of the living, the land of light and sound, food and drink, joys and disappointment. And he followed right at my heel, matching his hustling little steps to my dot and drawl pace. We two, strangers but still soulmates, slowly approached the riotous lights of the teeming town. A young couple bundled out of a doorway and almost knocked us down. In laughing apology, he put his hand in his pocket and poured a seemingly endless stream of coins into the tin can I was still holding. They ran on, giggling and chittering, their arms around each other and their heads tossing and turning as they hurtled down the pavement, oblivious of everything except their own youthfulness and their two happy selves. The stubborn little licks on my shoe brought me out of my stupor. I peered into the tin can without knowing what I was seeing. It was half full. More money than I had seen in... I couldn't even remember when. Another couple, older, arms linked supportively, stepping cautiously along the unruly pavement, stopped before me and thrust some crackling money into the tin can. It was so unexpected. They were gone before I could react and even murmur a thanks. A tug on my trouser leg finally got me going again. He yipped ahead, pulling me along like a tiny locomotive. I shambled along behind him to a pavement food stall. He certainly knew his way around. The big booming man with the salt and pepper bushy moustache offered me a hot soup and a meal and led me kindly to a quiet corner to eat it in. I accepted in wordless gratitude and amazement. I could hardly absorb the change in my circumstances. The mustachioed man bent down and stroked the ragged little fellow. 
Well done, angel, he said, and served him his own meal in what looked like an oft-repeated gesture. The hot soup spread its life-giving goodness slowly about my insides, and warmth and faint hope and feeble strength regenerated within me. On my knee rested a patient little black-and-white head, getting steadily wetter with the drops that fell unstintingly from my grateful eyes.